and you're listening to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library Podcast, brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo, and joining me on the podcast today is Christopher Cosmos, author of Once We Were Here. This is Christopher's debut novel. It came out in the autumn of last year. And of course, we were in the midst of a pandemic. We were quarantining. It was a little harder to, you know, do the traditional book release, maybe in-person book talks, in-person book signings. So we are having this local author, Michigan author, on the podcast. Here we are in the summertime. I mean, it's time for beach reads. It's time for book clubs. Why not talk about a great book that you could pick up this summer and a great book for a book club discussion. This is historical fiction. It is set in 1940 in Greece, goes into the spring of 1941. This is a critical moment in history. The Axis forces, Italy and Germany, are rolling across Europe and occupying different countries. They are coming to the doorsteps of Greece. Mussolini particularly knocking on that door saying war is coming and Greece stands up and says no. And this is a story about a trio of friends actually. There are three friends at the heart of this. Two of them are soldiers who will go off to war. One of them is staying home with the family and it is about their connection and how much they care about each other. And they are weathering this veritable storm and how they're responding to it and how they're holding on to each other and how they're holding on to their families and how they're holding on to their way of life. And that is at the heart of it. But it is also important to shine a light on this moment in history when Greece played a pivotal role in turning the tide of the war simply through their resilience, their resistance too, really. They held off uh, the Axis forces from coming over to Russia, delayed them long enough until wintertime set in over there in the east, and it made it much, much more difficult for German forces to uh, have any sort of success in Russia. And it's all because of Two of these characters who are soldiers who go off, they get to be part of the forces who are resisting this incoming occupation. And I can't tell you much more without spoiling it, but what I have to tell you is that this is a story really about a pride for Greek history, of course, but also just humanity, maintaining our humanity, holding on to love, holding on to hope, mustering courage. All of that is in here. It starts in the present day and it ends in the present day because this is a story told from an elder to a younger generation. And that is a powerful aspect of the story. Christopher Cosmos was born and raised here in the Midwest, attended the University of Michigan, also a screenwriter, and has had work featured in the annual blacklist of Best Hollywood Screenplays of the Year. We talk a bit about that, that passion for screenwriting started right over here in Michigan in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. Currently, he's living in Grand Rapids, but he has also spent some time over there in LA, over there in the film and television industry, selling screenplays, but then relocated back here to the Grand Rapids area, and that is when he completed this book, Once We Were Here. His debut novel on arcade publishing came out in the autumn, but we're having him here on the podcast now for a proper book talk. You'll find it in bookstores, and you can especially find it in your libraries. This is our chat with Christopher Cosmos. What a beautiful book, Christopher. What a, as, as I was telling you before we got on here, it's such an emotional roller coaster. This book really does have it all. It is a war story. It does take us to World War II, as I said in the intro. And what I wanted to start with here is that we have seen countless movies about World War II that are usually from the perspective of the United States. We're coming over there to help. It's always after Pearl Harbor. Or we might get a story like 
all quiet on the Western Front where we do get a German perspective or we might get a Russian perspective. We've never really gotten the Greek perspective. So as it says, when you open this book, this story feels like it has been relatively untold in terms of popular culture in the mainstream. It really has not gotten into into the narrative here. So what an important story to, to, to tell. And I just wanted to, I guess, say congrats and thanks for writing it because it was very illuminating for me as a reader. I, 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 and thank you again. And that's one of the one of the coolest in, in comments and reactions to be able to have doing this because I, I'm also part Greek and so is part of my heritage in a certain sense in that way. And it was something that I learned about in that way and I learned about when I was very young. And as I grew up, it was one of those things that I kept expecting to see it, you know, show up in a history book somewhere, show up in a history class somewhere. And I, and I studied a lot of history and I read a lot of history. And everywhere I, I went, I didn't really see it mentioned even though it's this vitally important moment and vitally important event. And so in a lot of ways, I started writing this book, uh, you know, as I say in the end of it, like long before I ever really thought of myself as a writer, because I got to a certain point and hadn't really found it told. And I sat down and thought, well, why not me? Well, before we get too much into the book, tell us a little bit about your life as a writer. Your you really feel like you, as a reader, I really felt like you were really in your element in this book. It is very, it is very can't put downable, as as a lot of folks like to say. But it's not like you were. I don't know if you ever saw yourself writing a war story one day. But tell me about your early life as a writer, uh, how and when you got into it. Yep. So I'm I'm from Grand Rapids. I live in Grand Rapids now, as you mentioned, so, uh, in the beginning. So over on the west side of the state, I grew up in a small town called Lowell, which is a couple miles east of Grand Rapids. Went to high school, um, graduated from Lowell High School, went to University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And then if you had asked me then what I was going to do, I probably would have said I was going to be a lawyer or something along those lines. But I grew up reading a ton. As I said, I grew up reading a ton about history and being very interested in it. And one of the things, and I took a class when I was in Ann Arbor, I took a screenwriting class with a professor that I really liked and I really enjoyed it. And so I made the decision after I graduated from, from Ann Arbor to actually move to Los Angeles and be a screenwriter, which I did. So I lived in Los Angeles for a few years, um, worked as a screenwriter, sold a few screenplays. I still do screenwriting. The thing about screenwriting is it takes, it takes less time to actually write something. So in between the screenwriting jobs, I was working on, on this, which was the sort of thing that was inside of me that was very that I was very passionate about and was very driven to write and get down and so a, a few years ago I I left Los Angeles and back home here to Grand Rapids finished it and then and then started that process of you know I when I moved to Los Angeles didn't know anybody in the entertainment business when I finished this didn't know anybody in the publishing business and so just, just you know started cold emailing people found uh, you know a, a, an agent in New York to help me navigate the New York publishing scene and was fortunate enough to find some other people that loved it and published it and it's been a, a whirlwind journey ever since then but go back a little bit further too and we mentioned this before we got on is is I, I started putting words you know to paper once I was in college and kind of started going down the writing path but the the, the thing that sort of inspired the story the most to me is I is I went to the Greek Orthodox Church here in Grand Rapids mm-hmm. um, and when I was when I was sort of very young, I heard there was people that went to church that had really just lived through this event. And one of the days after church, they, they just sit around and we, they told these, these stories to, to us younger kids. I was probably six, seven, eight years old, something, mm-hmm. something along those lines. And one of the, and one of the women there told a story about how when the Nazis came to her village, they were so uh, hungry that she had to chew on the sole of her shoe. And I, you know, being six, seven, eight, I didn't realize really what, you know, why she would do that or whatever. And then she, she said, because the sole of the shoe was made of leather. And so, and so being young, that was something that was like an image 
um, in a story that really stuck with me. And then as I got older, too, I realized why they were sitting there and, and telling the young people in church these stories. And so so they wouldn't be forgotten. And hopefully, you know, by, by writing this, putting this out there, um, that I can kind of contribute to that in a little bit of, in a little way. Yeah, this is about six months of time between the end of 1940 going into the spring of 1941. And a lot of a lot of action, especially in, in April of 1941, this is when the Axis forces are coming to pretty much occupy uh, Greece. They're basically the book starts off with with Mussolini saying, this is what's happening. We're going to come in. It's time. You know, it's 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 war. What do you say? And your book is about how the Greeks stood up and said no. And not only that, but you go on to, to talk about how. What a valiant, what a valiant effort and even what a pivotal effort this was to stand up against those encroaching forces and how it how it became a, a deciding factor. Tell us about, I guess, figuring or tell us about discovering that part, discovering that history and bringing it to a narrative, because, again, it was a, a blind spot for me just learning about, as I said, the U.S. perspective. But Greece was very pivotal in in turning the tide, I guess, or at least just their their fortitude, their endurance. You know what I mean? You can tell us. You you yes. read the book. Yeah. So I, I include four different quotes in it, and three of them are quotes from Franklin Roosevelt, from uh, Joseph Stalin, and from Adolf Hitler, which all essentially give credit to Greece of, of turning the tide of World War II and allowing um, the Allies to win, which when you start, say it like that, people like, scratch their heads. But what happened is Hitler had, had already turned on, on Russia mm-hmm. and was going to invade Russia during the summer. And Mussolini had decided that he wanted to invade Greece first because he wasn't doing anything. Hitler had told him just to sort of stay there in Italy. So Mussolini invaded Greece against all odds. Greece won. It was actually the very first Allied victory in the entire war was Greece defeating Mussolini. It was a big deal here during the time. There was a Greek soldier on the cover of Time magazine. It was sort of very celebrated from like a morale and motivational standpoint. And so once that defeat happened, Hitler realized that he then had to go south and invade Greece, which is something that he never planned on doing. He thought it would be very quick. Obviously, Germany is very big and Greece is very small. Greece was, you know, unprepared, didn't have a strong military. Germany had been building their military several years at that point. And so he went south and invaded. And that was at the point that was the point where all of the leaders of the Allies contacted Greece and said, don't give up. Please fight. We know that this is going to cause great devastation to your country, your people, but please fight. And this is why. And the reason was because they knew the only reason or the only way that they would be able to defeat Germany is if they delayed the invasion of Russia until the wintertime. They knew that if Germany invaded Russia during the summer, then 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 Germany would win. And so that's ultimately sort of what um, Greece did. And I know that's like military heavy, but that was the, the background of this kind of unknown but very pivotal event. Mm-hmm. And woven between that is is I, I see the story more as the love story between three friends because it shows you know it, it begins in a set in a small village, and it, it's sort of the idea for, for for me was to show three friends in love what you know, war encroaching upon them in this idyllic Greek village then does in in the choices that they have to make. And and ultimately, it's about, you know, standing up and doing the right thing and how ordinary common people can really, in the end, change the world, Mm -hmm. change the course of history. Mm -hmm. So those are the sort of historical events that it's set against and and hopefully a a poignant and love story that, that takes place within those events. 
Oh yes, I mean that we are talking as though this is a nonfiction book, but it is it is it is fiction and is such a as I said a page turning narrative novel here going on, especially because of this love story, especially because of these characters at the center of it. So tell us about building those characters. You you have experience in that regard coming from the screenwriting world, but you've created really relatable characters that we I I feel like we're we're caring for them and rooting for them even by page 30 we feel like we're that familiar with them because they they feel so so full and so complex because war is coming so obviously we have two characters who are, who are going to go off to this war enthusiastically so uh, against all odds even though this is you know rather terrifying they they muster that courage to do that at the other side of it they they care for each other so much they care for their parents so much they care for their country so much so tell us about building these three characters yeah, for me, and it's and I will I will mention being a Michigan-based writer, Michigan. Yeah. you know, like I said, I left and came home again. Michigan, somewhere that's very important to me. And the book opens and, and closes in the present in in Michigan too. And it opens with a conversation with a grandson asking his grandfather about this time in these events that he didn't know about in that thing. And so for me, it's that 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 conversation is a little bit of a microcosm of once I decided I wanted to write the story. A lot of the different combina- a lot of the different conversations that I had with people that lived through it, people that you know knew somebody that lived through it, with people that had somebody in their family that lived through it and had stories you know passed down you know you know through generations to them. And so, and I wanted to. So, it, it, as you mentioned, it's set against nonfiction events, and I created these fictional characters to weave through those events that I tried to to create amalgam of, of those stories that I heard and what it was actually like and the decisions they had to face and what it did to them, how it altered the course of their story. And ultimately, you know, for so many of the, the families, even, the, you know, even the ones that were there that were fighting, whether they stayed, whether they ended up coming here, whether they ended up coming um, somewhere else. And so that was an idea that I just tried to talk to as many people as I can and, and distill it down and, and hopefully represent what it was like during during this time that like we talked about that we don't I, I think we don't talk about enough and don't know about enough and and, and be able to share that mm-hmm. uh with the world it since it's come out too it's i um i've gotten so many amazing notes from people because each chapter starts with a date and that's how the sort of and I, i've gotten notes from people that have shared you know family diaries and saying like the date with where your characters are match up exactly with where my grandfather was during this and wow. that sort of thing so, so that part of it too has been been sort of both very humbling and also very very cool since it's mom yeah absolutely i think anyone out there who has taken the time to talk to an elder uh realizes how how emotional that can be and how it can really immediately demonstrate to you that they you can look at photographs from the 30s and 40s you can read all this text in a history book but once you're able to hear those firsthand stories it's so much more powerful isn't you just it becomes tangible in a way because you are looking at and listening to someone who was there which kind of touches into the 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 title the the choice of title there and that's what's so powerful to me and you it's especially even though it's just preface and a conclusion, it is good to get in the head of the character who is listening to the elder because that character is looking at their own life and wondering how how they can honor that memory too and live a full life as well. So as I said, this book just really gets you thinking. And then on top of that, it is full of all this romance and even some action. Uh, and I wanted to pivot there. You did a really great job of describing 
these battle sequences and especially making them not seem glamorous or, or heroic and, and, and capturing some of the desperation that is there, some of the quick thinking that is necessary there, some of the impulsive bravery that comes with that. So that was also a whole other powerful aspect of the book. Listening to elders creating action. I don't know if I asked a single question there. I kind of gave you a two-pronged question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, that I, I, I appreciate it. And, and for the first part that you're talking about, about the listening to elders, I appreciate that very much. Too, yeah. because it's sort of exactly what I want to do because it's, you know, here, here are all these people that are born into this great time where literally the fate of the world is, is at stake and, and they make the choices that they make and they live the lives that they make. And so the, there is that question also of, of, of what else, you know, what can we do during the times that we're born into. And that, that's very much a theme that, that's in it and it's very much why I made it a little bit of a multi-generational story too, because it's a question that, that I often ask myself and I think other people do too. And hopefully mm-hmm. there's, you know, at least maybe some some ideas in the pages and that sort of thing. And and for the second part, thank you too. Yeah, it, it toggles between it toggles between romance and war. It was something with when talking to people too, one of the things that came up is, is people, you know, saying just don't, you know, don't sugarcoat it, so to speak. This was very brutal. This was very difficult. And to shy away from that would be a disservice to the memory of the people that did give their lives. And and so that was a choice you know, said I made very on, early, you know, early on too, to do both in equal measures and not shy away from some of the, the, the realities of, of what did happen and, and to give service to those memories and, and those sacrifices too. Like I said, in the back of the book, it even speaks a little bit more towards both how brutal this was and how important but forgotten it was. Greece, Greece as, a, as a country lost 10% of their entire population during this, which is just an absolutely staggering thing to think about and staggering number to, to think about also and something, you know, as we said, that has been sort of lost in history in a way that, that maybe we can, you know, remember it now. So speak yeah yeah and that's and that's something that you have to in the in the afterward i think you have to drive that home you can't just say that number 10 percent. you have to put it in perspective and and look at other countries that only lost two percent at most of a population and we're talking 10 percent. it's it's incredible and then i wanted to talk about that other aspect is you have crafted a very beautiful love story you have crafted very great compelling characters and you you have that very endearing connection between just listening to an elder and appreciating family and all of that. All of that is there. But talk a little bit more about maybe some of those stories that you heard and honoring Greece and this sense of Greek pride. I mean, obviously, all of these lives were lost and it was the darkest of days. But there is something very noble going on here that we we're really not talking about enough in our in our history books. This is this is a very Greek book. Talk about that. It is it it it, it is a very Greek book and, and something that we were talking a, a little bit about before too is, is there's so many and I mentioned the shoe a little yeah. bit but there's so many stark visual images that were extremely compelling to me when I sat down to map out you know both why I wanted to tell this story and how I wanted to tell this story mm-hmm. and and one of them is a story of a young soldier when the Nazis end up actually getting to Athens and putting um, the the Nazi flag up on the Acropolis about how he um, goes up and, and brings the flag down or when in the ceremony of when they're bringing the Nazi flag up how he brings the Greek flag down and wraps himself in the flag and runs and, and, and jumps off the, the edge of the Acropolis to his death, which ended up being something that was very inspiring 
to the resistance that then that then ensued from you know during the Nazi occupation. Um, the resistance even after they got all the way to Athens was very very strong because they had to you know both they had to hide in their country and they were and they still were working to delay um, them from being able to go to Russia. And it was one of those things where there was a lot of stories and things like that that you would that you would see and you would find. Then you'd have people saying this is true, and then have people saying no, that's not true. That's you know an embellishment. That's story. And I always go back to, and, and maybe this is the, the Greekness in me, but I always go back to, to, you know, something like the Iliad and the Odyssey. And for years, everybody said they weren't true. One guy, Heinrich Schleiman said, you know what? I think they are true. Yeah. Goes exactly where Homer said, you know, Troy was at, starts digging down and there it is. You know, when I heard a story um, like the one that I just told, and I, you know, I, I sat there and I said, you know what? I believe it's true. And so I'm going to write this. And I think that it is in the same way that Schleiman thought, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey was true and it ended up being. And so I, I think that that we need to give credit to the stories in that way. And yeah, and, and celebrate them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's something different going on here, too. We always hear the narrative of, again, going back to that that U.S. perspective, we have Pearl Harbor as an offsetting moment. That's when we feel we enter the war as the United States. But we we forget that it was really already going on for two and a half years until we come in. And yes, uh, the attack in Hawaii feels like a blow. But we are going over there. But telling it from this perspective, they're coming into their home, onto their land. And I, you really need books like your book to drive home the gravity of that for an American audience. You know what I mean? The idea that they are truly invading, not just that it's an evil force and we have to send our, our B-17s over there and it's a, an Uncle Sam, et cetera, et cetera. This is a resistance. This is repelling. This is, it goes beyond the conventional definitions of heroism. It's something deeper. You know what I mean? Which I guess must bring it back to how powerful and emotional of an experience this must have been for you throughout the whole creation process of this book. Very much so, like I said, and, and for me, it's you know, as, as a storyteller, the, the very best moments are are finding something you know that that's important, something that's emotionally relevant, and that that's a hole in history that that hasn't been filled. You know, as as we talked about, there are a lot of World War II stories out there. There's a lot of World War II movies out there. There's a lot of World War II books out there. Um, but but for me, to find a story like this, have a personal cultural connection to a story like this and and be able to tell it it's sort of it, it is a great honor and a great and a great pleasure and it's something you know in the greek community that we celebrate every year we actually have a, a holiday on <laughs> at the end of october on october 28th and the day the book actually starts called oki day which is it's the oki is the greek word for for no and it sort of refers to when when Mussolini gives the uh the, the prime minister of greece an ultimatum and he says we're going to invade and occupy you otherwise it's, it's war and you know there's debate over over what Metaxas actually said it's as some people say he said you know Alors de la guerre, like so it'll be war um but in sort of the in Greek popular culture he says no and so we have our holiday that we celebrate every year called Oki day no day and there's there's parades around the world. There's celebrations in Detroit, Greektown, Chicago, New York, um, all the big great communities of the world. And so something, you know, sort of I've always been very proud of and, and been very proud of to be able to now share with the world too. Yes. And as I said, this book came out in October. So that means you can find it in bookstores. You can find it in libraries. I'm, I'm so compelled to make a connection here, Christopher. We had uh, Lisa Scotellini on the podcast recently, and she had a book out called Eternal, which is similarly telling a rather undertold story of Italy 
uh, in the late 1930s. And I feel like your book is the perfect companion chaser to that. You could just jump right over to Greece and read more of an undertold story picking up right in 1940. It's, it's a very fascinating moment in time, obviously a very tragic moment in time. But when you do look at, even if you just look at a map and you see where Greece is, so close to Italy, somewhat close to Russia, it is in that middle point where if you wanted to put up some sort of uh, roadblock of any kind, and if it is the soldiers who have to do it, uh, that would slow the tide of the Axis forces and give England and the U.S. time to catch up. Again, rehashing here the importance of this moment in history. But once we were here, also at the heart of it, a love story. Moment in history, place in history, sort of place, you know, in my heart. The other, you know, there are differences between there and here. The parallels are so similar, too, because I, I think of it as Greece is a beautiful peninsula surrounded by water. And then it, there's such a vibrant Greek community here, both, at, you know, on the east side of the state and on the west side of the state here. And it's, you know, all, all I see is people that have left one beautiful peninsula surrounded by water and come to another beautiful peninsula surrounded by, by water, which has been a, a cool and interesting and, and thing for me. And as we come into summer, it's reading time, it's beach reading time, it's book club time. It's you know something that I think is is ripe for for discussion and, and further things to be discovered and, and all of that too. And so so thank you for having me on and being able to uh, talk about it. Yes, uh, thank you so much for for joining us, Christopher. Well, uh, if you write another book in the near future, you let us know. You're going to be coming back on this podcast. So thanks again for joining us. I, it will be my pleasure, and thank you so much. And that was our chat with Christopher Cosmos, author of Once We Were Here, historical fiction set around World War II about Greece. It is a spellbinding novel. It's also a sweeping romance. Also bringing in all of the intense drama of being in the theater of war and then capturing rather poignantly the powerful connection that we can continue to hold to the past, especially through the stories that we can listen to from our elders. Once We Were Here has it all great historical fiction book. We're glad that Christopher Cosmos could join us. You've been listening to A Little Too Quiet. This is the Ferndale Library Podcast. It's brought to you by the Friends of the Ferndale Library. My name is Jeff Milo. The music that you hear coming in and out of this podcast is by local musician Chad Stocker. If you want to support this podcast, visit ferndalefriends.org. You could also just tell a friend. And if you especially enjoyed this conversation, share it to social media. Remember, if you've been listening to us for a while, to rate, review, subscribe, or leave a comment. It'll help us find more listeners. And we thank you for listening to this episode.